1: And we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. I know that's going to be a thing now for any time that comes up. But it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. And on this weekend's episode, please go ahead and check out our thoughts as we bring special guest Robbie Ross on the show for a instructional video and also, in this case, audio on Warhammer. We all go to school for Warhammer 101. Want to know more about the IP? The IP that Henry Cavill will be starring in a series for. He goes ahead and explains it for you in detail. So greatly appreciative of that. Plus, Hamonish Goel on his usual Bollywood updates. So go ahead and check that out today wherever you get your podcast. It's also inside sports, fantasy football. It's not too late. To go ahead and check out the guys from the Lakers Fast Break. as he, he meaning Magic Man. He meaning Joe Sorrow. And also, as well, myself and Chris Ardieri, we talk week four in the NFL. So go ahead and check it out today. You to get your podcast. Plus also, of course, Joe Sorrow. He also goes ahead and checks out everything that's going on with LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check him out as Ox1947 at LakersBall.com, plus his great company that he owns. Please support if you are in the Southern California area. Today, SimBlades, SimBlades with the Y.com. Our good friends, Empire Jeff at Empire Jeff TV. He had an awesome stream last night just before ours. Actually, it was going a little bit concurrently. It kind of ran over into our time that we were on. But you know what? With the magic of YouTube, you can catch them both in full. So go ahead and check that out today, Empire Jeff TV. Awesome stream indeed. Really appreciate his hard work and all the things that he does. Go ahead and subscribe to his channel. Also as well, our good friend John McAlian, he's got an awesome YouTube channel as well. Please support him today. And speaking of YouTube channels, you see the little Joe in the right-hand corner of the screen? No, I'm not talking about the one right below me. talking about the one a little bit off to the right with the big beady eyes. Go ahead and make sure you click on that to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Well, our guest, Tony Jones from the Athletic, he said he will be here in a few minutes, but we thought we'd go ahead and get you up to speed on some of the things around the NBA that are going on, including a major injury, a major release, and also as well a signing that did not go unnoticed by us. Kind of ignored it on the past couple shows intentionally because we really didn't want to touch on it. But you know what? We're going to go ahead and expose it anyways for you out there. But here today to go ahead and talk about that is a good man indeed. He's the madman. Toronto, he did get out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk with Tony Jones. Hopefully today it is the magic man, Sean Grice. Magic man, great to have you here. Thank you for lining up this awesome interview. I'm looking forward to. Oh, and he's here right now. Welcome, Tony Jones from The Athletic. Truly appreciated. My name is Gerald Glassford, uh, well, also as well. Of course, Magic Man, Sean Rice. He's in the left corner of your screen. He's the guy who set everything up. And also my good friend as well and fellow panelist, it is Joe Soro. Tony, great to have you here. And welcome. Thank you for being part of the Lakers, Fast Break. Oh, thanks
0: for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for Sean uh, for reaching out to me and, um, and, and setting this up.
2: I tell you what though. Uh, absolutely Tony. Um you know when when I first started blogging about the Lakers in 09 and 10 um you were one of the first guys on the scene. You were like top notch man. I really appreciate all the hard work you put into this and uh thank you for coming on the show.
0: No, I appreciate it man. That's those are kind words and I uh, I really definitely appreciate them. So hopefully we can still rock on and uh and and keep making good content for sure.
1: Wanted to ask you real quick on this. Uh, It's uh, not Utah Jazz related, but I wanted to ask it because it was a major injury that was reported earlier today by Draymond Green out with the sprained ankle. And you know, those things can be nasty uh, and lingering throughout the entire season. But the word is a four to six week injury that he's going to be out for for a little while. Your thoughts on what his injury will do initially to the Golden State Warriors?
0: Uh, I think the, I, I guess the first, um, thought that you have is obviously that pushes Chris Paul into the starting lineup. And there's (laughs) there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of guesswork there. And and I actually think that's good for the Warriors because that would have been probably, you know, a a huge storyline throughout training camp. And it's something that with green out that they just probably no, no longer have to deal with at this point, at least for training camp, you know, you could deal, you could kick, kick the can down the road for another day, but you know, obviously on the court, it's a huge, impact because you know Draymond is is so impactful defensively he's you know he's uh you know kind of like their quarterback offensively uh especially with the ball in his hands the way he makes reads the uh you know his passing um you know his rebounding and then just you know just being the emotional leader as well the warriors have a really tough open uh to this season um first 10 15 games I believe something like seven of nine or eight or ten, eight of their first ten are on the road, and you know they're coming off a season where they were not a good road team. So I think if this goes out to six weeks, if it's a four-week injury, then we're looking at you know opening night, you know um, you know here or there, give or give or take a few nights. But if it's a six-week injury, you're looking at the bulk of that 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 hard open to the season uh, in terms of the schedule. And you know, and then you know, obviously the Warriors have to 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 compensate without uh, their best defender and their best passer.
1: Magic Man, want to throw any thoughts on that? Or Reggie Bullock being waived by the Spurs and Josh Primo? He was signed to a two way contract, even though he does have a four game suspension to start the season. He was signed to a two way contract with the Clippers. Any thoughts on on any of those?
2: Yeah, Tony, uh, the the Josh Primo news is kind of out of left field like he'd been like whisper quiet like him and his people so the, this signing with the Clippers is kind of uh out of the blue what do you make of it and you know obviously for for some people it, it just feels like it's a step in in another direction for uh, an organization that has a few questionable decisions made in the past so what did you make of the whole primo Clippers vibe right now
0: well, I think that we, as a league collectively, need to do a better job at this. Josh Primo, Miles Bridges. Um, you know, I thought four games, you know, for Josh Primo, even if he had been out of the league for almost a full calendar year, I thought four games was was pretty lenient. So, I mean, you look at that. Uh, I, you know, my, my first thought is that the onus is on the Clippers to be right about this, right? Like they have to be right. Josh Primo has to be a model citizen. Not only does he have to be a model citizen off the floor, but I think he has to be a model citizen on the floor and in the locker room as well. I understand from a basketball perspective why, um, Josh Primo is going to get a chance. I did not think that, you know, somebody like a Josh Primo or, even a Miles Bridges were gonna be out of the league for the rest of their life. Both of those guys are really, really talented. And Josh Primo is a really talented, um, he's really talented. And, you know, so from that perspective, I do understand why a team would say, hey, here's a two way, here's a prove it, let's do that. But, you know, I would have been much more comfortable if that four game suspension was a 30 game suspension or even a 40 game suspension you know, a suspension, like, like, Hey, we have to make you feel it. Here's a chunk. Here's a huge chunk out of this season. Um, you know, this is, you know, this has to be a deterrent, um, you know, but the, the Clippers better be right about him as a citizen, you know, and as a, as a citizen around the organization, as a citizen, you know, just as, as a representative of the, uh, of the NBA as well. So, you know, those are kind of my thoughts. Um, You know, I I do think that, you know, if those uh, I's are dotted, if those T's are crossed, then then Primo has enough talent um, to make an impact in this league eventually somewhere. Um, So I'm I'm not surprised from that just from that specific perspective uh, that he got another shot.
1: What are your thoughts, Joe, on this, uh, on Primo or Draymond Green, or even Reggie Bullock becoming a free agent, being, uh, I guess, getting out of being waived and getting out of his contract, per se, as far as he'll still be paid on it, but being waived by San Antonio earlier today?
3: Reggie Bullock, I'm not sure if he'll be in the league next few years. Honestly, Uh, I'm not really a big fan of his game. Uh, Draymond Green injury might be a a blessing in disguise. Uh, You guys have heard me talk about uh, Draymond Green the last couple of years. I believe he has regressed. Uh, He's one of those players that has regressed greatly from what he was, and it's getting worse by the year. I thought the signing was a reward for a great career in in, in Golden State, and I think it's going to not work for Golden State. Uh, I think Looney or Kaminga will be much better with the setup they're going to have here for the first four to six weeks. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a great one either because you're going to be playing Darvin handball, basically. You might actually be worse. You might have four perimeter players playing in the in, out of the five starters. So uh, I don't see Golden State, un- unfortunately, stealing another championship uh, as long as this team is – intact. Uh, I think Clay has lost a few steps and it's unfortunate too because I, he could have had a Steph Curry type longevity if he hadn't had his legs shredded the way they did. So um with that I'm not seeing I'm seeing a, a better situation without Draymond at the beginning of the year, but I don't see it resulting in any any kind of championship for Goldstein anytime soon. Uh, as far as Primo, uh, I, I don't think he's going to make an impact either. I, th- I think I think the Clippers have no choice but to try and pick up any type of talent as they can, despite the situation that that player might be in. Uh, and they're just trying to somehow figure out a way to keep Kawhi and pa- pa- Paul George healthy enough to where they can compete in the playoffs. And they I've even heard that Kawhi Leonard is 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 apparently very very healthy, which is usually the first sign of BS because that's just not going to happen. <laughs> uh, his knee is shredded. It's done. It's over. I think the positiveness is fine, but the reality is it's just not ever going to change, guys. I, I I have I talked about this. I remember after the 2011 season with Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant's knee was was bone-to-bone. Bone. He had then, in the offseason, went to Germany. It was a very popular surgery at that time. It seemed like only Kobe and the elites used to do this because that particular surgery. microfr I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. It was some kind of platelet-type type, type uh, surgery. It's not allowed in America, but Germany did it. and And it would regenerate the cartilage. And Kobe would go to Germany, get it done, and then come back. And then had a... Pretty good couple years until he had to. He ran the 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 wheels off uh, that year with with D'Antoni and and, um, Dwight Howard. But even still, once that knee starts to get to that part, and you don't have really a lot of help, Paul George is good, but he's he's just hasn't been really healthy either. You're 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 not going to get better as an 82 game season ends. It's usually just not good. Uh, which only adds to the fact that Kawhi Leonard should have went to the Lakers. Had Kawhi went to the Lakers, he probably would have won a couple more championships right now because he would have helped the situation a little more. Uh, that's something we haven't talked about, uh, the aftermath, the what-ifs. And you guys know how I like the what-ifs. So that's kind of where I'm at on Draymond, Primo, and uh, Reggie Bullock. I, I did hear just not too long before we got on the show that he was released. Uh teams are trying to get whatever they can get right now before training camp and we'll uh we're going to get a chance to see here what what materializes from it
2: this is Raphael from nbadraft junkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break
1: check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse me all uh, of the star trek all of the time and i will be an incredibly happy girl even if it's terrible it's like pizza bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza bad star trek is still pretty good because it's still star trek that's the way that i look at it just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool that's it yeah that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts once again, it's the Lakers fast break. We've got on Tony Jones from the Athletic, who does such a tremendous job. And please follow all of his great work today at the Athletic. Covers the Utah Jazz better than anyone else. Please go ahead and check out the tremendous work he's doing right there, along with Magic Man and Joe Soro. It's me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. So let's get into the Utah Jazz a team which Danny Ainge has remade. I don't know if you want to say in his own image per se, Tony, but he has obviously done a, a good job of rebuilding the team a lot faster than I think a lot of people would have anticipated. And I think it starts with Larry Markin, who a lot of people did not think that he would be able to take this kind of step. So I ask you, first question Lowry Markinett, who had such a tremendous leap as far as going from one level of a player to another last season, can he maintain it going forward for the Utah Jazz?
0: I, I think he can. Um, I do think that there's some onus on the Jazz to, to really um, address the point guard position because what what we really haven't talked about what in regards to Larry marketing, which was a really underrated um, factor in his leap was that he had Mike Conley for, you know, 60, 65, 70, 75% of the year. And Mike made his life really easy. Uh, You know, just like the way he runs pick and roll, the pocket passes, you know, so, you know, Lowry's looking up and the ball's right there and he could just go up and he could just finish strong or he's got a floater or, or, you know, he's not seeing bodies in the paint. And it was a little different with, without uh mike once mike got traded um so you know lowry to his credit you know the the production was there um in march and towards the end of the season uh the efficiency in march dropped after the trade a little bit even though the production was there in terms of the points and the rebounds the raw um the the raw stats um but you could see that he was working a lot harder uh, because he had to be a lot more ball in hand without Conley. So the Jazz are going into this season right now, and they don't know who's playing point guard, whether it's going to be Colin Sexton, whether it's either going to be Jordan Clarkson, whether it could even be uh, Chris Dunn, who was pretty much out of the league for most of last year, whether it be Keontae Georgia, whether it be Taylor Horton Tucker. So none of those five outside of Chris Dunn um, are you know just natural um floor general type point guards and you know Keontae george is the best passer in my opinion of that five but he's also a teenager so i just don't know if you can play a teenager in year one 30 minutes a night and try to make a playoffs because the jazz mission this year that i mean they want to make the playoffs they are trying to make the playoffs um for more reasons than just making the playoffs so you know, all of that ties into Lowry, um, you know, so I think the the long answer short is, you know, a lot of the point guard play is going to depend on how much ball in hand he's going to have to be. Uh, and I think that that's going to um, impact positively or negatively uh, what his production is going to be this year. I do think that, you know, having an all-star year like last year, um, Lowry's going into this season with that kind of confidence that, you know, he can be uh, one of the best small forwards in the league or, you know, one of the best players in the league, offensive players in the league. Um, he does things that gets points really easily, like he runs the floor really well. He's a really good offensive rebounder. He's an electric finisher around the rim, and he's a, real, and he's a 40% three-point shooter. So there are things that he's going to do uh, to where he's going to get his production regardless. Um, but you know, the, the leap for me as somebody covering the jazz is, you know, what are you doing in the last five minutes of the game? Can you be the closer, you know, you can score 25 points uh, a night in the first 40 minutes of the, of the game, but in the last eight, when, um, you know, when it's winning time, you know, can you make that leap? So I, I guess that that's my, my, my long winded answer um but it's going to be really interesting to see how he comes off of that year and he's not going to be able to sneak up on anybody this year
1: yeah absolutely that's similar to what we're uh, anticipating for austin reeves here in la where he's not going to be able to sneak up any on anyone as well here in los angeles but yeah wishing uh another incredible year it's great to see someone who's been able to work hard but it wasn't, you know, not everything went right his way early on in his career, injuries or otherwise. And now he's got a great place, a great fit in Utah, and I think he's that uh, good thing. Good things are going to happen to him going forward. Magic man, what you got for Tony?
2: Absolutely, yeah, Tony. Uh, there is a lot to like about the uh, the wings on this team, uh, and they're big, man. They're big. Seven guys who are six nine or taller are on this squad. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, how do you see that logjam filling out? Because like a lot of guys had good FIBA tournaments who are in that group, right? Fontecchio right. was Fontecchio was pretty decent. Markin had a decent tournament. You got to fit in Taylor Hendricks somewhere, right? Because you drafted him pretty high. How do you feel that logjam sorting out, Tony, especially given the fact that, like you were reporting, they're looking to, to upgrade the guard position?
0: Well, I, I think the the positive is when I look at the Jazz and I look at what they can do, I think that they're going to physically overwhelm a lot of opponents on a lot of nights because you're going to have Lowry at the three. You're going to have John Collins at the four. You're going to have Walker Kessler at the five. All of those guys are plus athletes at their position. And, you know, in the case of Lowry and Walker Kessler, they also have plus size and length to go with that plus athleticism. So, you know, they're going to be a lot of nights when you look at those three. And then you add in Kelly Olenek off the bench, who was really good last year, uh, versatile seven footer. And, you know, and like you said, Taylor Hendricks off the bench as well there are going to be a lot of nights where, you know, that depth and athleticism up front is going to cause a lot of teams, a lot of issues. But the negative is, and you know, it's funny, we talked to uh, Justin general manager, Justin Zanuck and head coach Will Hardy last night, everybody can't play every night. And I think when you look at the jazz, for me, the jazz have a real regular season roster. They have 11 or 12 guys who, I think, are NBA-level rotation guys. But you ain't playing 12 guys every night. You're playing nine. So, you know, there are going to be two or three guys who I consider to be good players who are just not going to be in the rotation. Now, Will Hardy is somebody who mixes and matches lineups. He plays hot hands. Um, So if Taylor Hendricks is got the hot hand that night and Walker Kessler doesn't then Taylor Hendricks closes if Taylor Horton Tucker has the hot hand that night and Jordan Clarkson doesn't then Taylor uh, Taylor Horton Tucker closes but there's still going to be guys that you know are like wow I could do this every night and you know they're playing once every five or six games so it's going to be really interesting to see um a what the original rotation is who is going to be uh, who's it going to comprise of, but there's also going to be, you know, uh, the jazz simply at some point are going to have to make a consolidation move uh, to this roster. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if it comes in December or if it comes at the trade deadline, or if it even comes um, next summer during the off
3: season.
1: Joe, what you got for Tony Jones, my friend?
3: Uh <clears throat> I think the audience has several questions that I think.
1: Well, I'm going to hit them up uh, on those before yeah, uh, we uh, hit the Lakers.
3: The, the the Utah Jazz, starting last year, were there was this thought that they would try to tank for Victor. Uh, turns out that they were smashing everybody the first month. No one could kind of catch up to them. They were three games out, I believe, of the tenth uh, spot last year do you see and it's essentially the same roster do you see an improvement with uh another year under their belt together and if you do see some improvement is it enough to make Danny Ainge happy because I'm assuming Danny wants this thing to eventually get to a title contender and how 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 does he plan on doing that is it because if they if they stay in the middle of the pack, you know how it is in the NBA. You stay kind of in the middle of the pack. You kind of st- get stuck in purgatory. You either got to stink or you got to have the stars and kind of title content. And I'm kind of curious on where Danny sits on where he sees this team here in the next two to three years.
0: Well, there's a couple of things. I, I do think the roster is a little different. Um, they didn't have, have John Collins last year. They'll have him this year. So you're adding a guy who's 18 to 20 points a night. Um, And they essentially added him for free. Um, um, So yeah, Tony,
2: were you surprised at the lack of return that Atlanta got there? Cause like they came back with, you know, hat in hand with nothing in it. I I was really surprised about that.
1: After all the years that Collins was a trade target, seemingly every single year.
0: Well, I think, I think that, The 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 advantage for Atlanta in the trade for the Jazz is that they got rid of twenty five million dollars a year and they found a team that could just simply take John into into their cap space. But, you know, because of I mean, essentially, John Collins was playing out of a corner for last for the last two years, you know, because you're playing with Trey young that offense is extremely heliocentric. And this is not a knock on Trey Young because I mean, I'd make it heliocentric too, because Trey Young is is as good as he is. But, you know, John Collins was pretty much okay. I'm playing out of the corner. Sometimes I'm a vertical lob threat. If I get the ball, I shoot it. That was, you know, he was no, he was not the John Collins of, you know, three, four, five years ago where he's going out getting 18, 11, 20 and 10, things like that. So um, it was time. You know, it was it wasn't as contentious as DeAndre Ayton in, in, in Phoenix, but it was, you know, it was time, right? Like it was time to get him off the roster. And I think that Atlanta just kind of got, you know, what he could. So what they could. So, you know, the Jazz are going to have the ball in his hands a lot more, not in a creator position, but they're going to run a lot more screen and rolls at him. They're going, you know, John is, you know, really excellent as a roller Um something like 1.5 points per possession per pick and roll that he's involved in Uh, so that's a really good number that the jazz have always liked so i think they'll use him as a roller a lot Um, and they'll try to take advantage of a lot of the stuff uh that that he did earlier in his career so you look at that to answer the danny ainge question uh danny's you know in his mid-60s that man is not trying to wait around at all Um, You know, so the Jazz are not, this is not something that the Jazz want to be a four or five year uh, rebuild. They're trying to get, um, they're trying to get to a point where they're a championship contender uh, sooner rather than later. So, you know, their plan for that is they found one guy, which is Lowry Marketing. They found that one guy. Um, They have to pay Lowry. In two years and they're gonna have to give them a max so between now and the time that they have to give them a max contract the jazz think they have to um get two more guys um on this roster who they consider you know foundational pieces so it'll be one thing that i think is interesting for me is whether Keontae george becomes that foundational piece um there he's there are a lot of there's a lot of optimism around him at point guard uh internally in the organization is probably not going to come this year he's not going to be donovan mitchell as a rookie um but you know it, it there's some it, the jazz clearly think that he has star potential so it'll be interesting to see number one if he can reach that potential and number two how far how long it takes him uh to 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 reach that level so uh, that's number two but you know yeah the jazz want to be competitive they want to make the playoffs this year you know and it'll be uh interesting to see if they can do it with this roster
1: once again it is tony jones from the athletic please go ahead and support what he's doing today and all the great work that he does on the utah jazz at the athletic athletic.com magic man any more questions for tony on the utah jazz a team that a lot of people have Right now uh thinking that maybe it's not yet but the future is looking good for them in the years to come.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh I really liked their uh their draft Tony and uh one of our draft experts uh Stone Hansen was pretty much in love with Bryce Sensaba. But when we watched Summer League it looked like Keontae George was just it was effortless Tony. It, it looked like he had he'd been playing there for for three years already but you're right right he's a teenager he's still very young but would you say of all the rookies that George is probably the most mature therefore he must be the the most ready of the three
0: I think of his game I think I would say that he's the most likely to make an impact right away I think he's the most likely to be in the rotation on night one Um, for the Jazz and that's not even to say that he's going to be in the rotation I just think that he's most likely out of the three Uh, I think that you know uh, I think that there's thought that Taylor Hendricks has to become stronger so it might take him a year to, to to get to where he needs to be but here's the thing with Taylor the Jazz think that he has a chance to be special because he's one of those guys that can guard two, three, four, five switch then step out hit 35 to 40% of his threes. What's going to determine his upside is how good he becomes off the dribble, how good he becomes ball in hand doing stuff. But if not, you know, the jazz still think that he's one of those power forwards who, um, can develop into a special defender while also hitting threes. And, you know, when you can defend and hit threes in the NBA, uh, at any position, then, you know, your value in this NBA goes through the roof. Um, You know, so Bryce Sensible, I thought, you know, when I was doing my evaluations, I thought he was the third best shooter in the draft. Uh, I thought that Jordan Hawkins was the first best, was the best shooter. I thought that Grady Dick was the second best shooter. And I thought that, you know, and I thought that Bryce was the third best shooter. Um, He's also somebody who, you know, he's a lot more athletic uh, than he looks uh, because of his thick frame. and, you know, he's somebody who can score from, from from all three levels. My question with him is, is he ever going to defend? Because he didn't defend at Ohio State. And, you know, how healthy is he going to stay? One of the reasons why he fell as, as far as he did was because of his knees. So, um, and he didn't even play summer league because of the knees. So, you know, it's going to, you know, he's healthy. He's got a clean bill of health going into training camp. Um, but. You know, I do think that he's somebody who could, you know, potentially develop into, you know, a score with some pop from the perimeter, uh, especially with that, how athletic he is and how skilled he is with the basketball.
2: Now, Tony, if I could ask a follow-up question, were you then were you more surprised that Cam Whitmore was falling in the draft than Sensiball?
0: No, I wasn't surprised that Cam Whitmore at all because all my sources okay. told me that he was he was falling.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. I didn't think you now let's let's i didn't think he would fall to 20.
2: nobody did
0: no nobody <laughs> thought that like my sources ain't that good but, <laughs> I, but i knew he wasn't going five i knew if he got to the jazz i knew that he wasn't going nine i knew the jazz were not drafting him at nine um but i thought that you know once you get into the teens, 11 12 13 you know teams look up you know oh my god cam whitmore is still here let's you know run to the podium I thought it was going to be something like that. I did not think he was going to fall uh, as far as he did.
1: One of the things I do want to ask you, though, if I can add on to that magic about a rookie, is Johnny Juzhank. That was actually asked from our audiences regarding to this UCLA prospect coming out of college. Your thoughts on Johnny as far as the possible impact he could make in the NBA?
0: For him to have a 10-year NBA career, he's going to have to shoot 43% from three-point range. Like, he's going to essentially have to knock down half of his threes. And, you know, he's going to have to, you know, become better defensively. Uh, I thought he had a really good summer league. I think the Jazz like him a lot. Uh, In you know, Johnny is somebody who, first of all, I like him. I like him a ton personally. Like, he is a great guy. He's been great to deal with, you know, great to talk to. I thought he should have come out after his junior year like when he had that final four run uh, with with UCLA, where he was just knocking down everything, you know, all of those contested shots, he should like, the minute they got eliminated in the, in the postseason press, in the post game press conference, he should have been like, I love UCLA, I'm out. <laughs> and I would have never, and I would have never come back. I think he would have been drafted in the first round and he would have had, you know, three to four years of guaranteed money, but you know, That being said, uh, I think that, you know, he's uh, a good enough shooter to where I think that he can carve out a career for himself because the one thing that the NBA can never have enough of is shooting. Uh, And, you know, he does some other really good things offensively um, that if he gets into the right situation, like he's got to be in a situation where there's, just a lights out perimeter scorer who can create open shots for him. And then he gets those open shots and then he knocks him down. You know, he's got really good size for his position. Uh, so the size for the position isn't, isn't an issue. Uh, he's a great kid, great locker room guy. So that's not gonna be an issue uh, at all. I've, I've seen a ton of uh, really, really great shooters, who were really, really great people uh, who have been in the league for 14, 15 years just by being the 12th man on every team they've been on. So, you know, I do think that that Johnny is is somebody who can still carve out a career in the league. He's never going to be a primary scorer. He's never going to be a ball in hand guy. Um, But I do think that he can be a a nice complimentary piece uh, or even a deep bench piece if he gets into the right spot.
1: Joe, any uh, more thoughts for Tony on the Utah Jazz, my friend?
3: I'm curious on the drop for Cam Whitmore, now that, we've, that we're discussing it, because I haven't had <laughs> a chance to ask anyone outside our group what happened there and what what were your sources saying? Was it mainly a possible injury that was making him drop? Was it his attitude? Because we were very adamant, at least Sean and I, that we think... Uh, you and I. I'm sorry, uh, Gerald Knight. We were adamant that the Lakers made a mistake not drafting him at seventeen.
0: Was, I'll say this because you know he's a kid, and for me, NBA players are, are humans as well. So, basketball wise, I think there's some con- there's concern on several fronts. Like, so one front, he's six foot four, and he's a three at this point in his career um let's say six five uh even with like okay so the the great thing about cam whitmore is he's got more than plus athleticism like he is an elite athlete even by nba standards he's one of the best he's one of the best vertical athletes in the draft and he's a powerful kid uh really explosive kid so you know he's somebody who's going to live on top of the rim, especially early in his career. Um, and he could shoot the basketball, right? And and he's not afraid to shoot the basketball. So those are the positives. And those are the things that people see. And you're like, oh my God, Cam's on top of the rim. Oh my God, Cam's hitting the three. Oh my God, Cam's getting to the basket. Uh, Cam's getting to the basket at will. Let's take this guy number five. Here's what scouts are seeing. He's six foot four. Or six foot or five and he's playing a three which means he's going to be at a three inch uh um, he's going to be a, at a three inch height disadvantage every single night every single every single matchup okay because nba smalls are six foot eight and they're also really great athletes who live on top of the rim like you're going against lebron one night you're going against you know kevin durant the next night and you're going against jay mcdaniels the next night, who's basically like a six foot 11 spider. So, you know, there's some concern there, lack of size for his position. The other thing, which was the huge concern, which I've talked to, I talked to about 20 front office people, you know, during the draft process. Um, Cam's passing was a major red flag. Like his passing at Villanova, you know, his assist rate you know, things like that. So, you know, that was another red flag. in in the fact that, you know, Cam wasn't the greatest defender in the world, but, you know, I think that teams can overlook that because, you know, not many prospects really come out as great defenders. It's one of the reasons why Taylor Hendricks shot up the shot up the board because they were like, oh my God, this kid can actually defend. Let's draft him. Um, you know, so, you know, I think that those were, Those were really big issues in terms of um, in in terms of what the on court stuff was, and the other thing, and the other thing that I don't think I'm afraid to share is that he had some really bad workouts, and he had some really bad workouts uh, for the wrong teams. Like he had he had a couple of bad workouts for teams at the top of the draft. Um, So, you know, I think that that kind of um that kind of circulated and you know by draft night you know the night before draft night you know I talked to three or four people and they were like yeah we're not drafting Cam." and you know so that all um you know that all just kind of came to a head you know he went 20 and to his uh, you know I think to his credit he had you know obviously he had a great summer league like uh, he was aggressive. He scored a lot. And you could see, even in summer league, that when he gets into NBA spacing, um, you know, he's he's going to get, you know, he's, he's going to score his share of points. It's the other parts of the game where he's going to have to, you know, figure some stuff out. So, you know, like I said, I thought he was going to go anywhere between 11 and 15. Uh, I did not foresee a drop to 20. Uh, and I knew, you know, when the Lakers passed, um, when the Lakers passed on him, and then when the, the Warriors passed on him, like I was just kind of like, okay, I'm,
1: I'm. Now I'm really shocked. So, we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it is Tony Jones from The Athletic. Please go ahead and sign up today for a subscription as low as $1 a month that you can get right now. Go ahead and check it out at theathletic.com. I want to ask you this, Tony, you know, we've talked about the team so far. What about the coach, Will Hardy? I want to hear your thoughts on this. You've been able to go ahead and see him now for a little while for a season under his belt. Obviously, the way he coached up the Utah Jazz in the first part of last season was truly remarkable as far as where they were at, a playoff team in the mix for quite some time until they started to fade in the end. Your thoughts, though, on Will Hardy, some of the positives and negatives that you're getting, or maybe, let's put it this way, some of the things he does really well and some of the things that he you think that he needs to work on to get even better.
0: Man, the funny thing about what you just asked me is when you said, hey, what are the negatives? And I, I just really can't really think of one right now. Oh, that's
1: great. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> um, with, I, like, I don't know. I think it's going to be... I think, uh, I don't know if this is a negative, but I think he's going to have a real challenge this year of getting, you know, how does he get people to buy in in year two? Because I think in year, like he had 100% buy-in in year one, right? But yeah, on some levels, that's kind of easy because it's like, oh my God, you know, he's got a roster full of, you know, expiring contracts, guys who know that if they F up here, you know, they're going to be out of the league or they're going to be on the move or, you know, they're not going to make it to that next contract. So we're going to buy into what Will Hardy says. You know, there's there's not, there's not still a lot of expirings um, on this roster, but there's also more security on the roster than there was last year in terms of contracts. So I think that it'll be interesting to see where the buy-in is from there. But as a coach, man, like, he's he's an elite coach. Like, I think the Jazz made a home run higher. Like, he's he's a player's coach. Uh, he's somebody who's going to coach you hard, but he also tells you why he's going to coach you hard. Like, for example, um, you know, he, he'll yell at you for turning the ball over and he'll take you out, but then he'll sit down next to you and say, hey, you know this is the read that you missed this is why you missed that this is why i did this this is why i did that and i go back into the game um you know so he has a really good pulse on the players uh he has a really good pulse on you know what um you know what strengths are where uh he's not afraid to experiment he's not like i told you earlier he's not afraid to experiment with lineups um his atos are really good he runs really good atos really good stuff um his in-game adjustments are really good uh and you know i think that the thing the the big barometer with nba teams is how hard they play from night to night and the jazz play their behinds off every single night even when they pulled the plug in march um they had to it was funny because they were like okay you know, we're going to take Jordan away, Jordan Clarkson away from the group and that's going to pull the plug and we're going to start losing. They didn't start losing when they pulled Jordan Clarkson from the group. All right, Um, right. We're going to sit Colin Sexton, you know, we're going to slow play Colin Sexton. It didn't have, it didn't help. They had to pull Larry marketing and Walker Kessler to lose enough games to even get to the nine spot last year. And that was, a real testament of uh how well coached they were and how competitive that group was there was a game against the lakers late in the season where the jazz clearly did not wish to win that game <laughs> and they won the game and let's just we, say that there was we some-
2: surely remember that tony we surely remember that game uh, Simone Fontecchio, I remember just went yeah. off. So yeah, we, we just saw it. it. was like, Will Hardy's a good coach, man. Like there's no doubt about it.
0: <laughs> Listen, there, there were some, there were, there were some front office people at the in front row that were like Lakers, please, what are you doing? Win <laughs> the game. And it was, it was, it was comedy. It really was comedy. Um, But, I mean, it just encapsulates how good a coach and how good a job uh, Will Hardy did with um, that team last year. Now the challenge is can he do it again under different circumstances? And, you know, I think that, you know, the the good thing going into this year for him is that he knows that the front office isn't going to pull the plug this year. If he's winning too many games, You know, there's not going to be a trade two weeks later. (laughs) You know, there still are going to be some trades. There are some people on this roster right now who I'll be surprised if they're on the roster by the end of the season. But, you know, the, the overall mission, everybody, you know, the overall mission is there. Like the Jazz really, truly want to make the playoffs. So, you know, they can put their foot on the gas and win as many games as possible. Uh, So I think that that's a good thing. But, you know, like I said earlier, like he's got a significant challenge ahead of him. He's got 12 guys who I think are rotation guys. And that might not include two of your three rookies who, you know, like, you know, if Taylor Hendricks is your 13th guy, you know, your fan base is going to be like, yo, we drafted this guy number nine. Play him. Get him in the game somehow. And, you know, that might be difficult. Uh, to sell uh, once it becomes december in january and and february particularly if they are losing uh so i do think that there are going to be some some challenges ahead but you know overall i consider i consider that higher in a plus i think the jazz really uh hit a home run there
1: so i ask you tony truly appreciate again the time that you're taking to talk to us right here at the lakers fast break it is tony jones from the athletic please go ahead and support him today on the athletic.com one of the things i want to ask you you mentioned that there are players like for us here we think that there might be some tweaks by the time february rolls around as well on our roster that's pretty much the consensus from us who do you think is the most likely trade targets or individuals that you say most likely will not be here Oh, we're not beyond the Jazz roster post trade deadline. Olenek, uh, Clarkson, uh, Sexton, Thd. Who do you think is the are the ones that really stand out as trade targets come from January and February?
0: I won't say names because I I, I do of think course. that that stuff affects people. Um, but I think though like if you look at the roster and you look at the overall. Um, you look at the overall values of the guys, you look at the, the positions that some of the guys play, you can kind of tell, like there are a lot of expirings on the roster. There's veterans expirings, and there are, you know, expirings at places where others need to play. Okay. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, if you, you know, I don't even think you need a fine tooth comb, but it, like if you just do you know, some Dick Tracy um, investigative work, look at the roster, you can kind of tell and you can kind of deduce and you can kind of guess. But the one thing I'll say is this, you know, just like like having five guys that can conceivably be your point guard on opening night is crazy. You know, and it's going to be like training camp's going to be really interesting. Will Hardy yesterday said, it's gonna be like the Hunger Games and training camp. Everybody's gonna be trying to kill everybody else. You know, so I think at some point the Jazz are just gonna have to make a consolidation trade and it's going to to be interesting to see if it comes in December or whether it comes at the trade deadline. Um, And I also think that, you know, how the season goes is going to um, kind of affect, you know, what happens in terms of what moves the front office makes, but you know, everybody knows Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck. They those are aggressive guys who are who have never been afraid uh, to to make a move or shake things up. Uh, and you know this this team has a this team for me. And you know, I've said this before. This is a regular season roster. Like I legitimately think that the Jazz can win forty three games maybe even 45 games and make the playoffs as a six seed and then, or make the playoffs as a seven seed or make the playoffs as an eight seed. And then they'll play Denver or the Lakers or the Suns, and they'll lose in four or five games. And the reason why they're losing four or five games, because there's a huge difference between having a regular season roster and having an NBA playoff roster. They don't have, an NBA playoff closer on this, on this roster right now. And they have to find one. They have, like, I think Lowry is, if you win an NBA championship with Lowry marketing on the roster, I think that Lowry is going to be your second best player. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have the best player on an NBA title roster on this roster right now. So I think that it's a better roster than last year. I think it's a regular season roster in terms of the young legs, the athleticism, the length, you know, some of the things that they can do, some of the things that they do like they're gonna run into like the Phoenix Suns on like January 17th, when the Suns don't want to play and they're gonna win that game by 30 just because they want to play and the Suns don't. You know, things like that. But then when they get into if you get into a play in or you get into the playoffs, you know, all of the, the, the flaws of this roster will be exposed really quickly and really easily. So the Jazz's trick is to develop the parts of this roster that needs to be developed while figuring out a way to add to the roster with the assets that they have going towards the future.
1: I was going to say, if it's like the Hunger Games, Tony, I was going to ask you who the Katniss Everdeen would be in that situation.
0: That question was actually asked in the press conference, word for word. Oh, my gosh. the answer was Kelly Olenek. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Keep your (laughs) arms at bay when it comes to Kelly Olenek. (laughs)
0: Listen, I'm going to say this. I couldn't believe that question. I couldn't believe the Katniss question was asked. Oh, my gosh. Will Hardy was like, oh my God, I've never been asked this before. This is a great question. And it was like 10 minutes of awkward silence in the entire room before (laughs) we actually got an answer.
1: Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I will ask this, Magic, Man for Tony, is there any more Utah Jazz questions? He's been sensational with us so so far, but if not, we'll go ahead and head to ask his thoughts on the Lakers. But any last questions, Magic Man and Joe, before we head on out? Magic Man?
2: Uh no, Tony. Tony's covered it, to cover to cover, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Joe, any last thoughts on the Utah
3: Jazz before? I was going to ask that? him where he thought the U- Utah would be towards the end, and he answered it. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Well, my
0: my actually, my question, my answer to that would be anywhere from six to eleven. Okay. Six okay. if everything goes right. Eleven if they get a couple injuries. Yeah, I think six is their ceiling. I think eleven is their floor.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough indeed. Uh, But before we head on out, uh, we always ask our guests because we've been doing NBA observations of all 30 NBA teams. We are one of the final uh, clubs that we've done so far. So we're almost finished with our entire list of teams And we're truly grateful to everyone that has spent their time talking to us about the teams that they cover on a regular basis. But the team we ask also as well that you go ahead and if you can provide some insight on us, we love to get outside perspectives, on the Lakers and where you think they are going this season, your, their prospectus as far as the season's concerned, what you see for them going forward this coming year. Your thoughts on the L.A. Lakers for 23-24?
0: Well, I mean, simply put, if you want to put it simply, I think that they're capable of winning the championship. I think that I think they need to get D'Angelo Russell off the roster in order to do it, but I think they're capable of doing it. You know, I, I think that this is this might be the first team that LeBron's ever been on um, to where he doesn't have to really exert himself. Even the Miami teams, he had to exert himself because, you know, those were those were three guys. People people talk about Miami and they say, oh, that was a super team. It was a super team. Go look at those rosters, four to 15, four to 12. And there were it was it was extremely top heavy. Um, But you're looking at
2: those three were in the desert a lot by themselves. Yeah, they
0: were were in the desert a lot by themselves. They stole a championship in 2013. They were not better than the Spurs. They were not the better team. Um, LeBron was just that good. And then the Spurs got to 2014 and there was just nothing that Miami was going to be able to do.
2: But, yeah, that was a clap back of all time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. So, but the depth of this team, the athleticism, uh, I think the defensive, um, uh, the defensive ceiling. I'm not a Christian Wood guy at all. Um, but I do think that the Lakers are the one team that he he can work with because you're just never gonna start crap in a LeBron James locker room. Like it's just never gonna happen.
1: I love the analogy, though, that people say that I've heard since, you know, the talk of Christian Wood is if LeBron gets Christian Wood to play the way that Christian Wood can on a team like this, that he will be considered the greatest player of all time.
0: I mean, listen, people like I I look on Twitter and and and, you know, people, you know, like, well, why isn't Christian Wood this and that? And I'm like, listen, there are so many reasons why. And, um, you know, but if if LeBron can get him just to a basketball sense, not even defense, just what he does well, which is, you know, stretch you out, score the ball. You know, um, I believe they have the pieces that can make up for him defensively, uh, at least in the regular season. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Um, But, you know, there's just so much upside. LeBron doesn't have to play 82 on this team. Uh, he doesn't have to score 28 a night on this team. He can pick his spots. And, you know, the goal for for this team right now is just get him to the playoffs to where he's not exhausted by game four of the Western Conference Finals. Because if you looked at um, that second half, you look at that second half, he had nothing left. Even, uh, even though he had, you know, 41, 10, and 9 or whatever he had, um, there was nothing left in the second half. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot more depth on the team. I think there's a lot more talent on the team. Um, Darvin Ham should never, ever play three guards together ever again. Like Austin Reeves should not be guarding Michael Porter Jr. uh, You are
1: preaching to the choir on
2: that one. Yeah, Tony, when when Aaron Gordon was turning him into his own personal – I don't know what you would call it. It was like a punching bag. Yeah. Uh, that was not a good thing, man. And you're preaching to the choir, brother, because we hate the three guard lineup. Yeah. Those are five irritated Audience,
1: That has <laughs> irritated Lakers fans from the U.S. to all the way over to the Philippines and beyond. We've heard it all over the world about Darvin Hams. We're not even kidding about Darvin Hams. Like, for me,
0: like, if you once you get to the playoffs, like, to me, the best the best lineup for the Lakers for me is, is um, LeBron at the one. Don't do it in a, you don't have to do it in the regular season, but you get to the playoffs. You have LeBron at the one, you have Austin Reeves at the two, you have R- Roy at the three, and then, you know, pick whatever you want. If you have JV at the four and uh, AD at the five, or you have, Christian Wood at the four, A.D. at the five. We have A.D. at the four and uh, Jackson Hayes at the five or or whatever. You know, Denver proved last year that athletic size, like Denver was not only just big. They were big and athletic, like Michael Porter Jr. can move, can run and jump. Aaron Gordon could run and jump. He was a monster. You know, Bruce Brown was playing backup point guard and you know and dennis Schroder was having to guard him like that's six six against six foot you know i mean there was just so much um they were so big and they were so ahead of the rest of the nba with that size and length i think that in the off season i think that the lakers closed the gap on the nuggets with the way they constructed the roster so now the roster has to be played in the way that it was constructed um, so, you know, we'll see what happens, but I do think that the Lakers, I think the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Celtics, um, and the Suns are, you know, teams that I look at as teams that can win the championship.
1: Awesome. Indeed. You'll hear your thoughts on what the Lakers and of course the Utah jazz Tony, you know, it's been great having on, I know you're extremely busy and doing great work for the athletic Hopefully during the season we can bring you back on if you're available. Truly appreciate it and indebted to you for your time. Before we head on out, though, it's time for you to give the cheap plug to everybody out there on exactly where you're at, what they can go ahead and do, and to follow you or whatever it is you want to go ahead and plug. The floor is now yours, my friend.
0: Um. Okay. Uh, follow me at T Jones on the NBA on Twitter. I'm never going to call it X. You can follow me at T Jones Athletic on instagram but you'll you will see a lot of basketball stuff but you'll also see a lot of pictures of my wife and kids or maybe just my kids (laughs) don't let my wife see that (laughs) um or um yeah you can follow me there you know or if you want to really go old school i'm on facebook as well um but that's like you know i just that's like all that's just me complaining about uh, the command, the Commanders, because I'm a Commanders fan. So I complain about the Commanders and the Hoyas and, and my Knicks on Facebook uh, because I know that that's where the least amount of people see it. So, <laughs> Tony,
3: What's going to be the new nickname, Tony? We're,
2: we're, we're big. Me and Joe are big Eric B. Enemy fans after uh, he gave everybody you-know-what because they didn't want to finish.
0: Right. Well, we're going to get smashed tomorrow. So we're at we're at the Eagles. So it's not going to be I'm not looking forward to a good time tomorrow, but yeah.
2: I'm a Raider but, fan, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow either, man. Listen. Without Garoppolo, too. I, I just, I'm
0: playing against Justin Herbert tomorrow. So if you could just kindly tell your defense to to give a crap tomorrow, just
1: you know, do that.
0: you know because I played Aaron Jones today. I played Aaron Jones this week and I only got 2 points from him. So I really need Justin Herbert to not have a great game because I'm also playing against Christian McCaffrey and Kenneth Walker. And I, there's just no way that they're not going to score 20 points. So my only hope of winning this week is Justin Herbert, not having a good game.
1: Awesome. Indeed to have you here. Truly appreciated Joe or Sean. Any last thoughts before we head out for Tony?
2: Uh, Tony, thank you again. I'm I'm extremely grateful. Uh, we're the little channel that could right now. We're trying to uh, rise up the ranks. And uh, just for you taking time here, really appreciate it, brother. I mean, we're hoop heads, and we really appreciate uh, an OG coming by and dropping some knowledge. So I really appreciate you, Mr. Jones.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Never call me Mr. Jones again. Just call me Tony. <laughs> Got and, it. Um, I really, like, seriously, I really appreciate uh, you guys have wonderful questions. This is a wonderful conversation, and and I'm really honored that you guys uh, reached out to me and and had me on. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much,
1: Joe. Any last thoughts, my friend?
3: I apologize for the fireworks outside, Tony. Uh, I have a question for you since you brought yes, up sir. Twitter.
1: Uh, we were celebrating the. Uh, you, I guess they were celebrating the great interview we just had. Yes,
3: they too. did. They they were accumulating the the, the finishing touches on that. the uh, The question I have for you is if Elon Musk. Uh, decides to charge for Twitter. Will you pay?
0: <laughs> I blocked Elon Musk. So, <laughs> <laughs> there's that's, that's, that's an answer
3: because <laughs> you have you have a pretty good amount of followers. So, I, 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 yeah,
0: I, I, I'll tell them just to go and see me on Threads.
3: <laughs> uh, I,
0: yeah. I will convert all. I will convert and build on Threads in the heartbeat.
3: Because I think Gerald's thinking about paying, right, Gerald? Absolutely not. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not. I'm not paying a red cent for what that man has
1: done to that app. I agree with you. My my wife was like a couple months ago. She was like, you know, my friends at work, they you know, they really like their Tesla. Don't even start. I don't need. Yeah. A, don't even start. I'll get an electric car. Absolutely, that's not named Tesla. Anything else but a Tesla will not do it because of him. Just absolutely. Well, don't ask me to just give any money to that guy after what he said and done. So I don't believe it at that.
0: So I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an Elon Musk guy. I was like, if uh, you and I if, both, if, uh, if, if there's a charge for Twitter, it's not going to, it's not going to. People were asking me if I was going to uh, pay the, pay the $8 a month for a blue check mark. Nah, <laughs> you either find me or you don't.
1: <laughs> exactly. Tony, it's been sensational having you on. Again, please, everyone out there, please go ahead and support Tony on his Twitter slash X while it's still available. And thus Elon has other plans, but he's at T. Jones on the NBA for now there, or you might be have to find him at, at Threads here in the not-too-distant future. But also support the great work that he does, the absolutely sensational work that he does on the Utah Jazz today at theathletic.com. If you type in on a search, I'll give everybody a, a lowdown. If you type in on a search, The Athletic Promo, absolutely what comes up for you is a dollar a month for an entire year on The Athletic right there for you. It's a dollar. All you have to spend each and every month right there for a year at TheAthletic.com. All the stories, all the great news, and plus all the great updates that Tony gives you right there at TheAthletic.com. Tony, great to have you on. Looking forward to a great season for your Utah Jazz and for our Lakers and looking forward to bringing you back on when you are available right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.